Welcome to the Invest with Clarity podcast, where you will learn how success in investing, as in life, is the result of absolute clarity. Mark Pearson of Nepsis in Minneapolis, Minnesota, shares his passion for portfolio management and commitment to transparency and communication to allow investors to fully understand what they own and why, bringing them to clarity in their investments. And now, here are your co-hosts, Matt Halloran and Mark Pearson. Hello and welcome to episode number eight with Nepsis and Mark Pearson. Today we're going to talk about strategic cost averaging. And Mark, I got to ask you right off the bat, uh, what is the difference between strategic cost averaging and dollar cost averaging? You know, you ask such great questions, young Padawan. Seems like a logical (laughs) question to ask, and I'm glad you did. Well, good. Most people, of course, know what dollar cost averaging is. It's the process of continually investing at a set schedule, equal dollar amounts into your portfolio. And of course, when you're beginning your investment process, uh, dollar cost averaging is a logical and an appropriate approach to take. But you know, when your portfolio gets starts getting to a certain size and you're putting in the dollar, the same dollar amounts, as you know, the percentage of impact on that goes down because as the portfolio right. goes up in value, that set dollar amount doesn't change. It has less impact on the portfolio, right? Mm-hmm. The additional issue with dollar cost averaging is it consider it a static, constant process, okay? Sure. Strategic cost averaging is exactly what it sounds like. It is a strategic process which allows you to invest unequal dollar amounts into a specific position that you want to own on sale. So let's say for an example, you have like a lot of traditional investors, they have five, six, seven mutual funds or 10, I've seen some with 30 mm-hmm. ETFs, whatever the case may be, and you're putting, you're putting your set dollar amount in, doesn't have the impact. And even if, you know, and even if it was having impact, you're buying everything across the board, right? And mm-hmm. some things are expensive and some things are not. When you're strategic cost averaging, it affords you the flexibility to take advantage of investing more dollars into something that may be on sale at that particular time. That's why we believe strategic cost averaging uh, loves volatility because Mm -hmm. volatility creates opportunity when you have the ability to be specific on where you're going to put your money to work. How do you communicate this with clients, though? Because this this is not a dollar cost averaging. It's very easy. You're putting $150 a month into something, and you're going to buy when it's high and low. And we've talked about how the market is actually a market. So would you mind talking about what I need you to unpack this more? Because you're talking about yeah. stock on sale. You're talking about marketing. You're talking about volatility. So let's let's break that down right. a little bit more. Right. So, of course, Nepsis means ultimate clarity, right? Mm -hmm. And our URL at investwithclarity.com, as soon as you type that in, we're instantaneously beginning a process of helping you understand that we want you to invest in clarity, with clarity. When you get to our website, you know, it's all about knowing what you own and why you own it, Mm -hmm. right? Most investors don't have the transparency to understand what they own. They view their investments in a bucket. This is why you will hear a lot of investors say, I invest in the stock market. 
or I don't like to invest in the stock market. And as you and I have discussed before, you don't invest in a stock market. You invest in businesses. The stock mm-hmm. market's nothing more than the greatest tool ever created to bring buyers and sellers of businesses together. Mm-hmm. So when you talk to a potential client about the power of strategic cost averaging, it really begins with understanding the four keys to successful investing, the investment philosophy and strategy, and then the flexibility and transparency. The transparency gives you the ability to see what you own, why you own it. The flexibility gives you the ability to continually invest in that great business when it goes on sale. Strategic cost averaging is the process used to make that happen. And so investors are continually communicated to, by us, the power of volatility, the benefit of volatility, because they have the flexibility to take advantage of buying those businesses on sale. Would you like a great example? I would love a great example. I was just going to ask you for an example. I was reading I your mind there, brother. I have a great example. We okay. a big week, uh, as a matter of fact, last week. Let me tell you why. Here's the power of flexibility and strategic cost averaging. So, uh, as you know, Houston got the floods. Tampa got the hurricane. California got the fires all in the last summer and fall, right? Mm-hmm. And, of course, when those types of disasters happen insurance companies and reinsurance companies get absolutely hammered, right? Yeah. So what typically happens in those type of events is reinsurance and insurance stocks take a beating. And in fact, reinsurance stocks were down 20, 25% in a very short period of time because no one was, because everyone didn't know what the impact was going to be to the insurance industry. Mm -hmm. Well, the irony of that, of course, Matt, is that in actuality, what happens when you have big events like this it actually enables the the, uh, insurance premiums to harden because they've got to raise premiums, which means the tragedy has already happened. The insurance company is going to raise the premiums. It's actually considered bullish for the insurance companies. So while all this was happening at Nepsis, we had a reinsurance stock in our portfolio that was one of our weaker positions. Hmm. We sold the position at a little bit of a loss – which mm-hmm. is okay. Tax loss harvested the loss, mm-hmm. right? And then went and bought another company that was a much better run company. It had better management. Hmm. It had a better dividend. The balance sheet was better. Everything about this company was better. And so we decide we're going to sell and buy. Why? And that's what we did. Only to see four months later, AIG just bought the company for cash. <laughs> so the stock had gone from 54 to 42 in a very short period of time. Uh, let's call it over a two, three-month period. We started buying it around 44, 43, 45 this last fall, and we ended up selling it for 67 and a half nice. five months later. That's a- this is the power of strategic cost averaging. This is the power of volatility. Mm-hmm. And this is the power of knowing what you own and why you own it. And I got lots of stories like that one. How do you figure that out, though? How, how I know you have a, an amazing team. So let's talk about the team here, because you have to make intelligent decisions and educated decisions on what is on sale and where you're going to strategic cost average the extra yeah. capital. So yeah. walk us through that, please. So that's a great that's a great point. Of course, uh, a lot of the ideas that our team comes up with come from me, actually, 
as the chief investment officer. You need to remember, our, our listeners need to remember that at Nepsis, as part of our investment philosophy and strategy, we believe in diversification, not over-diversification. We believe in asset allocation. And so diversification with asset allocation. And most portfolios are overly diversified. And there's lots of studies out there that debate the topic of what is how, how many is enough positions. In our research, we have found that the numbers between 20 and 40 companies in appropriately asset allocated portfolio. Because our a process, you, you remember, Matt, we've talked a lot about our investment process. Mm-hmm. And what the process is designed to do, because it's a, a, a great process, proven process, well, proven the SEC doesn't like that. It's a time-tested <laughs> process. Mm-hmm. It enables us to kind of pick and choose the businesses that fit within our philosophy, uh, great management teams, great balance sheets, you know, great industries because we can be picky mm-hmm. and and do the, the top down and bottom up from there in terms of the analysis. In this particular case, you know, I, as a money manager, I have lots of people I hang around with, usually executive level people in great industries. I have friends in different industries and I have very good friends and actually clients in the reinsurance business. And uh, they originally turned me on to the power of this management because they dealt with them all the time. So they gave me the initial idea actually on this company. Mm-hmm. I went and did the due dilly, had my firm look at the due dilly on it, and we made the decision, waited for an opportunity to go on sale. You know, we had been, I had actually probably, Matt, been waiting to buy that company for about nine months. Oh. Probably, yeah, probably nine months. Yeah. So this is again the power of strategic cost averaging. Markets are fluid, and markets are, and, and the price of investments that you purchase and sell in the market is irrational mm-hmm. very often. And so it's where you look for the opportunities for irrationality to come in as the storms did to those stocks mm-hmm. and take advantage of doing that. When, Long winded answer to your question. No, it's a great it's complicated, answer. Yeah. And there's a lot of moving parts to it, but obviously an important piece to know. Absolutely. With. When you're helping people find this clarity and and truly understand what they're invested in, and you're also wanting them to take advantage of these things when they're on sale, how do you come up with the formula or how much do you have a standard cash position? I don't know if I'm putting you on the spot too much here, but you have to have cash to be able to take advantage of these sales. How, How do you manage that, if you don't mind me asking? Okay. Oh, what a great question. Man, I love you. Uh, <laughs> that's what everybody says. You have to have cash in in place to take advantage of opportunities. I completely disagree with Ooh, that. All right. And all right. Here's why. Okay. Flexibility is what enables you to take advantage of opportunities, mm-hmm. not cash. If you hmm. say I need to have cash, then you're making the assumption that every position I own in the portfolio I like the same amount. Mm-hmm. That's not true. Mm-hmm. You have positions that are stronger and positions that are weaker within a portfolio. And and we asset allocate. So we're a global asset allocation strategy, right? Mm-hmm. So when you look at what's happening in the reinsurance business, that wasn't happening across all the companies in the portfolio, right? Mm-hmm. It was that specific sector. So what that enabled me to do is two things. One, because we asset allocate, take profit from other places or 
tax loss harvest from other places, mm-hmm. or in this case, sell the weaker company, mm-hmm. raise the cash, and buy the stronger company, which is what we did. We sold the weaker company to buy the stronger company. You, people have this preconceived notion that you need to have cash to take advantage of opportunities. That's completely incorrect. You need to have flexibility. And you need to have transparency mm-hmm. because flexibility and transparency provide you the ability to take advantage of opportunities when they're given to you. But most portfolios, Matt, are invested in mutual funds and ETFs. That's right. And so anytime you're raising cash, you got to sell a bucket of something. Mm-hmm. And you're selling a bucket of something you don't even stink and know what you own. And then you may be selling that and missing out on an opportunity that's in that investment. Mm-hmm. That's why we love the idea of clarity, the idea of knowing what you own and why you own it. I am going to get you one of these days. And one of these podcasts, I'm going to ask you a question, and you're going to be, I'm just going to stop you in your tracks. Uh, what are we, eight podcasts in? I haven't even dented your armor at this point there, my friend. I can't wait. I'm hoping uh, someone yeah. can do that. Well, it, well, if it's going to be anybody, darn it, it's going to be me. All <laughs> right. With, with strategic costs, so you just, there's a lot of what you just said there. So you talked about flexibility, yes. and you talked about transparency. So when a client, when, when you are liquidating a, 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 a company like you did in this reinsurance arena, how do you communicate that with your – because you have two clients, right? You have individual investors and you have financial advisors. Yes. So how does Nepsis help their clients, either one of those buckets, understand and gain that clarity so that they can communicate that to whom they need to? Okay. That's a very good question. And what is happening now as we're getting into our – as we're now in our eighth podcast is inevitably what is happening with your questions is you are getting deeper and deeper under the hood to the actual true meaning of Nepsis. Okay. okay? So let me begin with the tactical, uh, the tactical component of what you're talking about. Uh, the communication to the advisor and the client is done two ways. Uh, number one, we hold a Friday – portfolio update call every Friday to our uh, financial advisors okay. who communicate with their clients. So I actually don't necessarily encourage advisors to communicate with their clients about individual positions in their portfolio. This is going to get really deep on you. Okay, I'm taking so notes. So bear with me. Yeah, go ahead. The reason why we don't like to focus on any individual one position is because it makes investors take their eye off the process, okay? So in other words, when you talk about strategy, there's offense and there's defense. You can't have one without the other. If you get the investor to become myopic about one individual position, then they become hyper-focused and it takes their eye off the overall process because of the emotional nature of investors. Mm-hmm. But we want to communicate it with the advisor because we want them to understand, for a lack of a better phrase, what is happening under the hood with a portfolio. You see, as we've talked about the investment policy statement in the past, Mm -hmm. we have said in our investment policy statement, no one position makes or breaks a portfolio. It's every position in the portfolio owned for a specific reason to accomplish a specific goal within the entire portfolio, the process. Think of the portfolio like a machine. Now, you may be saying to yourself right now, well, that sounds all common sense and good, so then why do you tell people they need to own what they own and why they own it? 
Let me tell you why that's important. Okay, now hold on a second. Yeah. That was my question. Come on, man. Can you let me at least ask the question? You, <laughs> I wrote that down. I, I, All right. I apologize. I've been doing this for a little while. <laughs> All right. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. That's exactly where I was going. All right. So as, 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 I talked to, as I talked about in the last podcast, there's over $15 trillion sitting in cash today. So I, I want you to, and the listeners to hear this. this. This should make a lot of sense to everybody. There's over $15 trillion sitting in cash today. There is more cash on the sidelines right now, quite a bit more than there was at the bottom of the financial crisis. Now, just think about that for a minute. The other trend that is happening within our industry is the idea of investors just going and buying indexed ETFs because they're cheap, because they're low cost. The management is low cost. And the industry is is basically hounding, pounding, and pushing people to the idea that you should make your investment decisions where you put your money based on the cost of that money being managed. The cost, to be blunt, or as we prefer to say, the investment in a portfolio uh, is more about the investor understanding what they are paying for. In the absence of value, Matt, thus becomes cost. Clarity is the ultimate value. Now, with $15 trillion sitting in cash, why are so many people not putting their money to work? Well, because the markets keep going up. And more importantly, the value of businesses keep going up. And people are hearing, well, the markets are overvalued. The markets are overvalued. Well, the markets per se may or may not be overvalued. We don't care. Mm -hmm. But we know this, as Jim Cramer says, there's always a bull market somewhere. There are always companies on sale regardless of what overall stock market indexes are doing, a la Avalidus, the company that just got bought by AIG. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I gave Absolutely. you a lot, a lot of meat on the bone here today. Yes, there there is an enormous amount of meat. and I'm, I'm trying to figure out which part of that I want to continue to, to chew on because – I want the listeners to understand that a lot of what Mark is now unpacking, we've done on other podcasts. In fact, we had a two-part series, Invest with Clarity, which I think was podcast five and six. Podcast seven was the uh, investment policy statement where he unpacked a lot of this stuff. So we are sequentially diving into this more and more. Uh, but I'm going to throw an objection at you very quickly, maybe just kind of summarize and wrap all of this up, which you talked about that people think that the market is overvalued or people I shouldn't say that people are saying and there's a lot of stuff that is said. Yep. Some of the people who are saying the market is overvalued, though, Mark, are are pointing to some indexes saying that the last time that the market was at this level of value was close to like 2001 when we had the tech bubble, right? It's actually a, a higher number than than Black Friday. What was it? Black Friday? Black Thursday? So it was Black so yeah, Black Monday in 1987. Dude, I was so off. I wasn't even in the right part of the week. And then yeah. with... Uh, in March with, of 2000. Yeah. So those, those, are, those are actually... So in March of 2000 at the top of the market, which was referred to as the top of the secular bull market mm -hmm. that started in 1982, the S&P 500 was trading at 29 times forward earnings. 
Right now, the S&P is trading at about 18 times forward okay, earnings. Okay, okay. The market's not even remotely as close to what it was at the top in 2000. That's number one. Number two, seven companies uh, in the S&P 500 made up a substantial amount. And I don't remember the exact number, but I want to say it was over 50% of oh. the total valuation of the S&P 500 at that time. Because you have to remember, this is why we don't index, right, mm-hmm. or benchmark. Mm-hmm. The, the S&P 500 is a market cap weighted index. So as companies like Cisco and Oracle and Sun Microsystems and Microsoft and Dell and all these big tech companies were getting bigger and bigger, they were hoarding in on the performance of the S&P. Uh, mm-hmm. By the way, mm-hmm. not unlike what's happening today with Amazon, mm-hmm. Google, Netflix, mm-hmm. Apple, and uh, who is it? Uh, I forget the fifth one. Um, they call them the Fang stop Facebook. So you've got you've got a, a similar thing happening with the S and P five hundred right now with these five companies on the index. In fact, yesterday I'll give you a great example. Yesterday in the morning, Boeing was up like five percent, mm-hmm. and Boeing's like a three hundred and ten, three hundred twenty dollars stock, right? Well, what most people don't understand is that the Dow Jones Industrial Average is a price weighted index versus the S and P, which is market cap weighted, right? So yesterday, the Dow was up over 200 points in the morning. Over two-thirds of that whole move was one stock, Boeing. (laughs) You see, this is why we believe that investors are being trained and taught to focus on the wrong things. Mm -hmm. Investors are not focusing on what we think is the most important thing, which is clarity, knowing Mm -hmm. what you own and why you own it. So circle all the way back to strategic cost averaging. Mm -hmm. When you have clarity in your investments, when you understand what you own and why you own it, or at least have the ability, because let's be blunt, most people are super busy. They don't pay attention to it. Mm -hmm. And what they're really trying to say, but they're not saying, is they want to just trust the process. They want a process they can trust. And when things get ugly, when the next big correction happens, and it will, investors will start looking at, what's going on in their portfolio. And the problem is they won't know what they own and why they own it. Right. But when we go through corrections and when we aggressively communicate with the client what they own and why they own it and what we're doing in the midst of that correction to position their portfolio, alas, they have clarity. And strategic cost averaging is the process of enabling them to take advantage of that. Fantastic. All right. That was podcast number eight there, Mr. Pearson. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me once again, Uncle Matt. All right. So for uh, everybody at Nepsis, uh, this is Matt Haller, and this was Episode 8 with Strategic Cost Averaging. Make sure, if you have not subscribed to the podcast, you take a moment to subscribe now so that every time Mark comes out with a new idea and anybody at Nepsis comes out with a great idea for a new podcast, it will be delivered directly to your listening device. So for Mark Pearson, this is Matt Haller, and thank you very much, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. The content discussed is for informational purposes only. It is not a solicitation or recommendation for any securities that may be mentioned herein. Advisory services offered through Nepsis Inc., an SEC-registered investment advisor.